Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 95. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm a full-time RVer, aka digital nomad, that has lived and worked in all 48 states and easily traveled more than 75,000 miles since 2017. I'm currently working on a 240-acre homestead in Oklahoma, and in my free time, I publish two magazines, Rootless Living and RV Today. I'd love to have you as a subscriber to either magazine, so head over to either rootlessliving.com or rvtoday.com, grab your subscription, and help us continue to publish these magazines. Now, on today's episode, I have a great conversation with James and Kestra, and we get into what it's like being rootless as a family of four with a small pup on the road for the last 18 months. But like always, before I say too much, let's get into the episode. All right, with that, I want to welcome Kestra and James to the show. How are you guys? Yeah, we good are, morning. We're great. No doubt, no doubt. Well, where are you guys in the world right now? We are currently in northern New Mexico. Nice. And would yeah. you would you consider yourself full time, part time, sometime? We are full time, a hundred percent, all the time, full time. <laughs> <All the time. laughs> Love it. And when did a uh, full time start for you guys? We hit the road on September thirteenth, twenty twenty one. Nice. Okay. So we've been a little over a year and a half now. Yeah. Very cool. And what are you guys traveling in? We have a 40 foot fifth wheel, a, a Sprinter Keystone. Yep. Nice. And yeah. who travels with you guys? Or is it just you We two? have, uh, nope, it's, we have two kids. They are almost six and nine. And then um, we have a, a puppy. A mini Aussie doodle. So we, we homeschool and we, we train our dog from the road as well. <laughs> nice. I actually have had a lot of guests that uh, when I ask who's traveling with you, the dog gets mentioned first. So I'm proud of you guys. You guys are <laughs> still, you must like your kids. You're mentioning the kids first. <laughs> They've been quiet this morning. So maybe yeah. that's why. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, look, let's go back to before September 2021. Let's, where were you guys living where were you working? And then let's talk about the transition. Yeah. So um, we are originally from Nevada and we both had been in Reno for the last 20 years. Um, we don't feel old enough to have lived in a town for that long, but it's true. So, um, And James was a fire captain. Um, he worked for the Department of Defense and he'd been doing that as a captain for 11, 12 years um, and was in the military before that also as a firefighter. And I worked for the biggest hospital in Reno and I did um, major gifts fundraising. So we had, you know, get up and get dressed and wear your big girl, big boy pants and go to work every day jobs. And we really liked them for a long time. (laughs) And we, we love Nevada. We both grew up in rural Nevada and, um, yeah, so that's what we had, you know, the two cars, two dogs, a house, an acre, two kids and all the, all, all the, the stuff, all, all the, the things and all the it. debt. <laughs> I so where did the, uh, where did the idea come from to, and I'm assuming and I shouldn't never make assumptions. Do you guys still have the property in Nevada? Or did you get rid of that too? No, we, we sold everything. We sold everything that we had on the property and then our home. And then we downsized to a small little storage unit that honestly, we're going to go back and clean it out because it's, it's mostly like heirlooms. We'll keep yeah. the pictures, but we, we narrowed everything right down to a storage unit. Yeah. And when we mean everything, like the couple we sold our house to, we left them our chickens and ducks. Like we, we left <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and so 
Yeah, when we first started talking about it, I would say that I like grew up in the same house for 15 years, you know, lived in a couple apartments during college and was like, I'm going to live in the same place my entire life. And I like that really safe, secure, you know, home body feel. James grew up going to like 12 different schools, moved all over the place, you know, on the West Coast and within Nevada and rural areas there. And he um, actually, during his childhood, lived in a bus a couple of different times with his family. Um, once, I think, when they were building a house, and then the second time in between places. Yeah, it was eighth and ninth grade. And um, we were like, we're never going to do that to our kids. And then, you know, we just kind of realized we were hustling way more than we wanted to be hustling and missing our kids' childhoods and dropping them off at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning and picking them up at seven o'clock at night. He'd be out at the fire department 48 hours at a time and then out on wildland fires for two, three weeks. And we were like, what are, what are we doing? We really, really like each other. We're one of those disgusting couples that wants to spend every minute together and we don't get to do it and we don't get to see our kids. And we honestly got a letter in the mail. We'd always talked about, you know, oh, we should buy a piece of property, but when will we have time to do it? We had a travel trailer, but we camped like four times a year. And we got a, a letter from a realtor that said, hey, we could sell your house for this much. And we were like, that's a, that's a good amount of money. And then I talked to a few other realtors and they were like, oh, no, you could get way more than that for your house right now with the way the market is. And uh, it was the first time where I ever said, well, honey, what do you think? And I think he'd just been waiting like 12 years to jump on that moment. <laughs> I said, let's do it. And so after that point, I think we we signed the papers to list our house in April oh. and it sold in June after uh, two days on the market. Wow. And then after some, some stuff we had going on with closing and property lines, and I learned way too much about property and real estate that I didn't want to know. <laughs> um, we finally left in September. So from beginning to end, it was not quite six months. Yeah, it was, it was fairly quick. And I like to point out that there was a lot of things that I think the universe was just honestly putting on our plate. Like our, our careers, long careers, I'd been with the, the DOD, the army for 18 years and it had just reached a point, everything that was going on in the country, like it just with management, it just, it was a, t everything was being put on our plate to where we just weren't happy. And I was yeah. gone a lot. And then in the summertime, I was, I was two weeks at a time. I'd be on wildland fires up and down California, Oregon. And we just started to realize that like, we're missing out on life. Like yeah. I'm, I come back sometimes and our daughter was young enough to where I would come back and she would be running or sprinting or saying different words. I'm like, I'm missing this. We're missing this yeah. as a family. So let's, let's do something. And then all of a sudden it just started aligning right. and, I think we really had like two two key moments for us deciding and then reinforcing our decision. So when the realtor came and looked at our house and we were about to sign the papers, we were up on the top of our property, you know, holding hands. Our kids were both at daycare and school. And I was like, honey, I, I mean, I don't know. This is a huge decision. And then I said, in a year will we regret it if we don't do this? Do we want to look back and say, hey, remember that time we almost sold our house and we almost went on a huge adventure and we almost changed our whole life and then we didn't do it? Mm. And we were like, no, we, we got to do it. And worst case scenario, we just, we get regular old jobs again somewhere else or we figure it out. And then about two months later, after we'd like gotten the house listed and, I think we'd accepted an offer and I was just, I was going to put my notice in at work and I was planning to put my notice in on a Friday 
and the Monday before I got laid off. Wow. And they, it was, a, it was a, they did like 200 layoffs. It was right. a, you know, the, a big hospital there. And so I called him and I was like, uh, honey, I got laid off. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then I was like, no, I'm serious. Like I'm, I'm going to go to TJ Maxx and do some shopping because <laughs> you're good with the kids for a little while. Right. And he's like, what do you mean you're going to TJ Maxx? I was like, well, I was supposed to be at work today. So let me just go have some time to process this. And uh, so that's when we were like, okay, God just told us you guys made the right decision because had we not been doing this, I mean, I, I wouldn't have had a job. We would have been trying to figure all that out. And thankfully we already had a, a whole plan in place. So that was a, a really big one for us, a push to be like, yep, you're doing the right thing. You know, what's funny is my, uh, my roommate, Nikki, she uh, was trying to sell her car when we were going to hit the road full time. We were going to go for a year and figure out like where we want to buy land in Texas. And her, she was just getting lowballed with offers. And one day she pulled out of her apartment, someone T-boned her. And <laughs> the insurance was like twice as much as what she could sell it for. And I think even she was yeah. like, this works out perfect. Like, like, it's one of those things. But did it take, were you like, hey, you're not breaking up with me. I'm breaking up with you. Was there any of that? When it was like, I'm so excited about putting in my notice. And then I get there and I get laid off. You know, it was, it was actually kind of odd. I, I got home and I said, honey, I think that they might think I'm a psychopath. And he <laughs> was like, what? And I said, well, I, I knew there had been some layoffs. And I think in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, I guess I wasn't part of them. Man, that kind of would have worked out, you know? And then when I came in and they called me into work, um, it was a newer manager and he was a really nice guy. And so he, you know, told me, Hey, we've made this decision. And I could tell he was trying to break it to me really gently. And I mean, I knew immediately, like you called me into a room with HR, like what else is going to happen in here? And so then he said, okay, well, do you have any questions? And I looked at him and I said, you know, it's been like 15 years since I've been broken up with. So I don't really know exactly what to do. Like, do I have to work the rest of the day or can I just leave now? <laughs> he was like, um, you can go. Do you have your things? And I said, yeah, just let me grab my purse and those pictures off my desk and I'll, uh, I'll get out of your hair. And I think he, he actually escorted me out. Cause I think maybe he oh. thought I was going to freak out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably the worst. If you were the first, he probably left after being like, wow, this is going to be really easy. And then went to someone that really still needed their job and, you know, would send them in the yeah. to panic yeah. mode. And, and I, I do feel so lucky that, you know, we were in that position because had we not been, I mean, I, I, I would have been devastated. Oh, at you and 92% of America, you know, when you're getting laid off and you're not expecting it, like nobody is expecting it. Even if you're, yeah. even if you're a crappy worker, you're still like, yeah. you're in denial when it happens. So, you know, it's, it's really great. Um, so you, at any RVing experience, I mean, I know James, you know, that kind of mentioned that you did some stuff with your family as a kid, but any RV experience as adults at all? No, we had bought like four years prior to us hitting the road. We had bought a, a tow behind trailer, a grand design. And we had honestly, because of our jobs, because of careers, because of life and sports and whatever else, we'd only gone out like maybe four times a year if we were mm. lucky. And honestly, we out of those four spot. times, we went to the same spot up in, in the uh, Sierra Nevada mountains. We had a spot north of Reno and we, we loved it. It was like our, our breakaway spot. But outside of that, nothing prepared us for what we were about to do. And on top of that, I had never towed a fifth, a towed a fifth wheel mm. until we picked it up private party from this guy's house. I had no idea what I was yeah. doing, yeah. but I did. When we pulled out of his driveway, I was, I was sketched out. I was nervous. I was like, <laughs> yep. this is a 40 foot fifth wheel. I've never done this. I'm in a, a residential neighborhood. Like I was worried about hitting 
fire hydrants. I was like, the last, and we were right next to a fire station. I was like, if I hit anything fire related, I will never hear the end of it in my job. <laughs> oh, that's, but, that's no, true. and then we got on the road and I was like, this, this thing is so much easier to tow than my our tow behind. And people had told me that because you know, the fifth wheel sits in the back of your truck and it's just, it tows better. So outside of that, we, I've been, I've been camping and I've been backpacking, but RV related, nothing prepared us for what we were getting ourselves into. I will say we had experience boondocking Mm. because that's, that's all Mm. we did. I mean, coming from, from Northern Nevada, um, we actually, I think we didn't really stay in an RV park until we got the fifth wheel because yeah. we just went up to a, a boondocking spot because you know out west you just drive find a dirt road and you yeah. drive down it and during our our travels once we moved into the rv we learned pretty quickly we pulled into texas and people said don't drive down any dirt roads unless you want to get shot yeah <laughs> we were like oh okay so we got to make reservations at rv parks let's figure out how to do that yep no that's for sure i i do think it's funny james you actually saved me in the last episode um the guest was talking about, you know, camping in Costa Rica and the people that have RVs usually just go to the same spot. I'm like, you know, a couple times a year, I'm like, that's the same thing here in the States. And I felt kind of like a jerk saying that, but now you just completely co-signed my jerkness. So oh, I appreciate yeah. you, bro, because that really is a thing that I, I don't think people realize is that, you know, one is they buy an RV and if they're lucky to have it on their property and not store it and pay for the storage, they still probably only get out two to four times a year. And a lot of them do just go back to what they know. And instead of, yeah. you know, going out and doing yeah, the adventuring. Really, yeah. And because everybody is so just like, you got a certain amount of time off. So you, you want right. to get somewhere and you want to get into the cliche relax mode. And so you don't want to be packing up. And then being out here on the road, we meet a lot of people that are doing their two week vacations out of the year. And they're doing a pretty decent trip where, you know, they're doing a big loop up to like the Northwest or something, but they're only staying one night at each place so they could hit everywhere. And I'm like, that's just, it's either you do that or you go to the same campground or the same spot, you know, just so you can get into that mode, get out of Wi-Fi range just enough to where you can relax for two or three days before you have to pack it all up and come back to work. Yeah. You know, the roads, you know, you fit, you know, you like it. And, and, and people are creatures of habit. That's one of the most interesting thing for us since getting on the road full time. I had the realization that I was like, honey, every place we go is a new place. I mean, we've done 36 states and I think we've stayed in close to 80 different locations and only one place we've stayed twice. And that was a friend's property in Mississippi (laughs) where we stayed there on our way out and on our way back. Right. Yeah, we we do. We do have some spots we like going back to. That's for sure. Especially, you know, if you're crisscrossing. Uh, we did a lot of really fast traveling in the beginning because I was kind of traveling or trying to travel for work to help kind of ease the pain with the job that I had at the time, you know, going full time in an RV, which was just kind of unheard of. Um, but I quickly learned that there are spots you definitely like going back to, but I just don't think yeah. I could go to the same spot over and over. At that point, I'd be like, why don't I just buy a cabin and, you yeah. know, and like just go to the cabin kind of a thing. Um, so obviously, Big adjustment going from, I think it's always a big adjustment, going from a bumper pole to a fifth wheel. Um, I am not a guy that wants to see, you know, more government in any way, shape, or form. But I do think there needs to be a little bit of a, like, licensee learning curve. Take a, like, when I had to read a 75-foot houseboat, I had to take a little online course. And I was thinking, 
I, why didn't I have to take an online course? To, because it is crazy that we're out there with, you know, 15,000 pounds. And it's just like, you know, and the dealer's like, oh, you can pull that with your 150. No problem. You know, they don't care. Oh, right. Yeah. You you drive in in a Subaru and they'll tell you you're fine. hundred <laughs> percent. And, and I see it all the time, too. I'm like, there's no way a Toyota can pull a fifth wheel. What's going on here? Who who lied to them? Um <laughs> It's just so, not a sell to them. We saw a Ford Explorer yesterday pulling a, like a 28-foot tow behind, and it, the tow behind was just wobbling. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. they told you that was okay, but there's got to be some level of common sense. Or I agree with you. There should be – if you have to take a driving test to get a, a, a driver's license, you should be able – or you should have to at least show knowledge in towing some kind of fifth wheel. It is a different – deal when you're out there on the road we actually got reached out to um by ford in uh, (laughs) there and we 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 weren't in ohio at the time we had been in ohio so they must have seen that we were there at some point and we got reached out to by a a group of dealerships that said hey we want you guys to do some promo with us and um we want you to showcase the new f-150 in your lifestyle and we were like um (laughs) how do you mean like we we tow a 40 foot fifth wheel. And so James jokingly was like, well, are we going to start like a lawn business and tow lawnmowers with it? Like we're, you right. can't tow our trailer with an F-150. I mean, we're Chevy people, you know, number one, but there's Fords that can definitely tow fifth wheels, but not an F-150. No, no, I, F-150s, I don't even know if I would tow surfboards, to be honest with you. Or, or and, and I don't mean just to say, you know, Ford, even, you know, Dodge, you know. 1500 same thing you know what i mean like that's yeah, for sure mm-hmm. that's just really you're not even supposed to put something in the bed it shouldn't even have a tow hitch let's be honest <laughs> and, yeah. and i think that's good i i know we're making jokes folks and you're listening to that but there, this is actually a real thing of you know people well, people will buy a truck and then you know say okay now we want to get this and now it's too late i think it's i always tell people find the rig you want then yes. you figure out the truck that can pull that and add like 15, 20%. If it says 15,000 yeah. pounds and you're 14,500, uh, that's going to be a stretch, like that kind of a thing. So I, I know we're making yeah. fun of it, but it is really important. It is. It's a huge safety deal too, because you know, the, the dealers, there's so many newbies out there that just want to get out and travel and the dealers just pump them full of confidence yep. just to get the sell. And then they think they can handle it and they get out on the road and it starts wobbling and they're sketched out and they're, they're driving super slow, which is then slowing traffic down and causing jams. It is, it's, it's, it's not funny, but it is kind of in a way. Yeah. And I think, you know, with James, with his career in emergency services, like he has legit experience of like, what people should and shouldn't be doing on the road and the results of what happens when, you know, you're not safe to be, to be a little bit serious about it. And, and for us, that was one of the big things that actually influenced what we bought when we went full time. Cause when we first thought about it, we were like, let's get a motor home, Mm. man, honey, we could be driving down the road and I could be making sandwiches while you drive. And it sounded like (laughs) it was like the ideal. And then it was really hard to find a motor home that had bunk beds for the kids. And then it was really hard to find a motor home that was um, in our budget because they're very expensive. And so I looked at him and I said, well, honey, we already have a Chevy 3500 diesel truck. So maybe we should look at a fifth wheel. And then if we decide to change our mind later on, we could sell them both and get a motor home. But I'd rather do that than go for the motor home and realize, oh, wait, we don't want that. But we just sold the perfect truck for towing a fifth wheel. Right, right. No, for sure. Let's, uh, I just think, you know, for, for fun, what's the biggest mistake you guys have made pulling the fifth wheel? 
Oh, I'll own that one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I am going to say that uh, we were about uh, not quite a month on the road. Right. We had left Reno. We'd gone into Northern California just a little bit. And then one of the guys that was on James's crew um, from the fire department said we could stay on his property just outside of Susanville, California. He gave me the address. Um, This was before we had any type of RV GPS, before we used RV Trip Wizard, before we had any of that. So I put the address into Google Maps (laughs) and I said, honey, this is the address. And we started driving up uh, Janesville grade. Yeah. And a um, a logging road. It's about, I think, an 11% grade once (laughs) you get to where it goes up. And his friend's house was at the bottom of it where it's, you know, like a probably 4%, you know, a little. And I said, okay, it's up here on the left. And he goes, honey, I think his house is on the right. I've only been here once, but I'm pretty sure it's on the right. And I was like, well, I put in this address. And somehow when I put in the address, I'm going to put this on Google. I put the address in right. Google auto-corrected it. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) But we then had to go probably eight miles up this 11% switchback logging road. And I forgot that at the top of the road, there actually is a, there is a campground um, and a lake up there. But in my panic, I forgot that that was up there. And so I was freaking out in the passenger seat, asking him to stop to see if I could maybe go down one of these very nice people's driveways that have all the no trespassing signs to ask if we could turn around in the road. And in my mind, I'm imagining that it's going to be the Donner party at the top and we're going to have to decide which kid that we eat because we won't (laughs) be able to get back down. (laughs) So we eventually James found a spot that he was able to turn around and our brakes were so hot when we got to his friend's house. We got pulled in and nicest guy ever. He's like, do you want me to back him in? And I was like, I want you to do whatever you need to do, Rob, because I need to go take a minute to myself because I'm just <laughs> thankful that we're all alive. <laughs> right. No, it, it's funny that like, the things that really freak us out and really cause high stress become these laughing moments later on. Yeah. Like I like that you guys yeah. were laughing from like, the get-go. And it's one of those things that you do. It's funny how those are the things, you know, I don't think you should go around and try to find, you know, negative moments, but it's funny how we find the negative moments. We make them positive. It's something we'll always remember and talk about. And it, it just makes us better at this lifestyle. And, every, and it's one of the reasons I ask because I've never met anyone that hasn't made a mistake, you know, in this lifestyle or done something really good. I have great goofy kind of stories and I've got, you know, battle scars on both my RV and my truck because of it. Just oh, know, yeah. in a rush, not thinking through, maybe it's been a while, that kind of stuff. Um, so I think it's important. I think it keeps it kind of real. And and, and in keeping it real, let's, you know, and I'm not looking for negative. I, I want, you know, positive and the negative. Uh, how's it been, you know, on the road? Is it what you thought it was, not what it is, better than, less than? Where are you guys at? So our original plan, because I had been with the Army for 18 years, was let's sell everything. I had a couple chiefs that I knew that we were going to visit across the states. And we were going to do like a year and a half on the road. And I was going to get plugged back in so I could finish out my retirement. I had five years. When I talked to HR, I had five years from September 11th, 2021, to get back into the the, the DOD service. So our original plan was, hey, let's do a year and a half, two years. Let's let everything settle down across the country, and we'll find a place that we really want to be. We, we looked at places in the south, and we're like, yeah, let's go do that. So about six months into our travels, we ended up doing this nomad rally in or outside of Orlando, Florida, and it was with 12 other families 
And three of the families really kind of mentored us in a way that were like, you guys are really fun. You, I, I, my dad had a construction company, so I grew up doing construction. So we've remodeled the whole inside of our, our fifth wheel. And they're like, man, you guys are so handy. You're so funny. You're so knowledgeable. You guys should start a social media page and just have people follow you. And because of that, um, we started a social media page and over the, like, honestly, the last year, it was about eight months of really hard work. It changed our outlook on one life Two, I was away from the government. You know, I've been army my whole life or military. I did air force first and then went over to the army. And so I'd always been in this little government bubble type of deal. And now that we're out of it, like life started meaning a little bit more. And now we're together every single day. I'm watching my kids grow and slowly, but surely I started shedding this old lifestyle and realizing, man, there's so much more to life. And we started enjoying it so much more. And we started coming up before we left. We're like, Hey, we want to hit all the national parks. We want to hit all 50 States. That's a goal of ours. But then we slowly started slowing down a lot more, staying at places longer. So we could really like experience the areas. And we started falling in love with this life a whole lot more. And then once we started, um, reaching out to brands and brands started reaching out to us. We started slowly making some money and we're like, holy cow, if we actually turn this into a business, we could live this lifestyle and make money. We could do this forever. So now we're so like, over the top about it. Now, don't get me wrong. There's ups and downs like there is with anything. And we're an entrepreneurs starting a new business and we love it. So honestly, to tell you the truth, it is, it's completely flipped our line of thinking. It's given us a different outlook on life. And now we're, we're like more, five-year, 10-year plan, never go back to government and see if we can make this business work, this on-the-road nomadic lifestyle and transition into maybe uh, homesteading down the road. Yeah. And so I, I, we're loving it. The kids are doing great. They're, yeah. they're excelling really well in homeschooling. Like our homeschooling has taken a whole new route. We did from the Key West all the way up to Bangor, Maine this last summer. And we did like an American Revolution, a civil, uh, a civil war. Yeah. Uh, tour and the like Mayflower, the Mayflower. The... We were doing studies on George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and Benjamin Franklin, and we went to their actual houses. We were inside their homes, their graves. And so <laughs> now we're like, oh my goodness, yeah, like we're experiencing life now that I never thought this was going to happen. I thought we were going to get out, hit RV parks, experience the national parks, and then find another place yeah. to plug in. And now we're slowing down to where we're like, no, we're we're going to be doing this for a while. So what and is I think getting, oh, go ahead, sorry. oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Um, and getting to use our our skill sets from our careers for ourselves has mm. been a really huge shift for us. So like James was saying with, you know, his his emergency services experience, his EMT experience, his construction experience. I did, you know, fundraising, public speaking. I planned special events. And then when I thought, oh, wait a minute, if we want to, you know, we had a few brands reach out to us. And then I was like, this is the exact same thing I did for fundraising. Mm. You know, I used to ask people for $500,000, a million dollars to support projects. 
But now I get to ask, you know, hey, we want to work with brands that we really, really like and create stuff for you. And we're building our business for our family. And and we kind of, you know, we get to call the shots on who we work with and who we don't and how we do it. And it's it's just been it's been really fun. And, and the kids get to be a part of that, too. Like they get, you know, little they get payments. They're they're on our payroll for when they're in stuff and for when they're, you know, quiet during podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw in an extra 10 bucks. <laughs> <That helps. laughs> they can't hear me, can they? <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Okay. So what is your travel schedule now? You kind of mentioned that it was pretty rapid and it sounds like you guys are, because you're not on this like, you know, quick two-year. And I, I think a two-year minimum is really great because I do think people either experience what you're experiencing, like let's get it to go more or they're, you know, they stay and they say, hey, two years will be good. But what's the, are you guys week on, week off, couple weeks on? What have you guys been doing lately? So when we first started, we were, we were, we were running and gunning and because we thought, Hey, we're going to do a year and a half. We got to get 50 States in a year and a half. How are we going to do that? Well, that's four day stays, five day stays. And we quickly found out like three months into it, like we're burning ourselves out. This isn't even fun. We're just moving in. We're missing so much. So somewhere along the line, we slowed down to one week and then 10 days. And then we slowed down to two weeks. Well, then when you're in this RV world, you start to find out that some of the, most of the RV parks, if you do a month stay, it's cheaper than a two week stay. Mm -hmm. So we found a couple of places where we're like, let's just stay here for a month. And not only is it way cheaper, but we get a really slow down experience life, not be running and gunning. But so we, we, we really like two week stays right now. And then come wintertime, we're going to be staying one week or uh, one month, a couple of spots. We might even stay two months if we can swing it in the keys. But right now we're doing one week stays all the way back to Reno. Our niece and nephew are graduating high school. One's going to vet school in Montana and one's joining the Navy. So we're, we're right now we're doing one week stays. We're not going to, do anything shorter than that mm. just because once you drive your drive day is day one then you get set up you get all situated and the last thing you want to do is after you're all set up is the next day or the two days after that is pack it all up and hit the road again it's just right. you you feel burnout and you yeah. don't want to be in that same lifestyle as what we felt like we were in our old jobs where we're just running and gunning and making other people happy so and we are those three 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 people right like you know you want to do three hours or less, 300 miles or less, be set up before three o'clock. We actually usually get to RV parks early and hopefully they don't charge us a fee for getting there early, but we like to get up and get going. So our first day there doesn't feel like, you know, you're super rushed and tired. And and with the kids too, like they can't do more than about four hours in the car. Right. Um, they're just, you know, they're still little and they gotta, they gotta run around and get their energy out. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. We, we did. A, I mean, there were times where, because we wanted to get somewhere, that I've done some eight hour days and those are, those are nightmares. Those are tough. Yeah. And then and you, you to, recover from it. Yeah. And then you got to start up and do it the next day. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, this isn't enjoyable at all. As brand new rookies. When we first went through Southern New Mexico, we were, we were so inexperienced where we did like a three hour drive. We stopped in this one town to get all of our groceries. And then we stopped at the, the roadside jerky place. It was good. jerky. It was really good jerky. <laughs> but then it turned into an 11 hour day and, and we showed up way late at night and I was like, we can never do this again. This is what, this is how rookies get themselves in trouble thinking right. you could just make all these stops, like have a, have a mission. We're going to this place. Here's our rest stop. Here's our gas station. Checkpoint on yeah, we did. 
And so it's it's not fun. And then what you've learned if if you've been on the road any amount of time is you have a plan, but then the road construction or anything else delays you, then you're, you're slowed down that much more. And, and it, or if you blow a tire or anything goes wrong, you got to prepare and plan for those and hope they don't happen. But if they do give yourself enough daylight yeah. to where you're safely taking care of everything and then getting back on the road. Yeah, no, no, that's good advice. I mean, we blew a leaf spring and we arrived at a, like an actual person's property after dark. And, um, I, you know, I tried to follow their instructions. They were already in bed and we were trying to figure out where to park. And I, the first thing he came over in the morning, he's like, wow, no one's ever parked over here. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, I, okay. So I didn't, I didn't understand your instructions. Right. I mean, he was fine where I was at. Uh, I was just in the it's, middle it's, of his airport. Yeah. It's kind of like that game where they say, Hey, close your eyes. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to describe to you what to draw. Right. right yeah, yeah. <laughs> like when somebody says, Oh, park over by the outbuilding. And then you get there and you're like, wait, there's three buildings. Which one is the, the outbuilding? Out yeah, I yeah. don't know which one's the barn. Exactly. Or yeah. Or they say barn, you're looking for the red, like with the white stripes yeah. and it's not that at all. Yeah, no, that's funny. Um, <laughs> before we transition more into work, I want to talk about kind of your budget and one of the things I like to do just to help people is I'm I mean I think it is important sometimes to get into the the nitty-gritty so people understand but it's such a weird variable and we kind of talked about that a little pre-show um you know me being from Los Angeles this lifestyle was a fraction of what it cost me to live in Los Angeles so for when I hear people saying full-time RV is not affordable I'm like are you out of your mind this thing is fantastic but it really depends on where you're coming from so rural Nevada if it cost you a hundred dollars a month to live there, the life you were living, um, what is that in comparison to full-time RVing? Is it half, fifty dollars a month? Is it more? I would say somewhere between like sixty to seventy. Okay, I would say like what we're spending, and and part of the big thing for us is that by by doing this, one of our goals before we even decided to do it was that we didn't want to have debt. And so um, we had worked really hard over the last, you know, few years before this even to pay off a majority of our debt. But when we sold our house, because the housing market was so crazy in Reno, we were able to just, you know, pay everything off, buy our trailer. We already owned our truck, you know, get rid of my my Chevy Tahoe and actually be able to say, all right, we're going to have a, you know, a little bit of cushion so we can start this out. And then we're going to figure out what we're going to do on the road to make up that income, but not having that hanging over our heads um, made a big difference. And I think the thing with RV life is no matter what you're doing or where you go, where you're going, you have a little bit more control over your expenses because you can choose where to stay and how long and how much to travel and what your gas expenses are and, you know, what types of places, because I mean, it can be much more expensive. If you want to stay at those super nice resorts that have the water parks all the time, then yeah, you're probably going to spend more money than you would in a house. Mm. But if you can be flexible with that, then I think it's a it's a really good alternative financially. Yeah, I, I have said on the show that probably my nut when I left was $8,000 a month. And we moved into the RV and we quickly realized it was probably going to be about $4,000 a month. But I had a roommate. So that I was only paying half of that. So I literally mm-hmm. went from 8,000 a month to 2,000 a month. Yeah. Like it was just mind boggling. And I've, I've interviewed lots of people that have done that, but then I've also heard the flip side where it's more expensive. But what people have always said is I'm actually doing stuff now. So I, I yes. don't, I, yeah. I, you know, I mean, we weren't, if I was doing things in my old life, even if I, 
you know, threw kayaks in the back of the truck that F-150 can pull some kayaks. And I threw those in the back of the truck and I went down to the lake and, you know, I kayaked it up. It was very rare and far between compared to the active experience lifestyle I have now. So they don't even try to quantify it because it's not even comparable really. And I, I, I think that's important too, to understand that, that I don't know if you have a, a $5,000 a month budget and you're looking at this lifestyle and it's 6,650, but the amount of experience and life changing, just everything mm-hmm. is crazy. It's true. And you, and you hit the nail on the head when, when you said where you're coming from, right? We have really good friends right now that are in they're in Arizona. They're traveling to Southern California right now, and they're from Savannah, Georgia. Mm. And the cost of living in Georgia compared to the $7.39 a gallon they paid the other day for diesel mm-hmm. in Southern California, it's considerably more. So that's just something you really got to take into consideration. Like if you're coming from somewhere where it's it's really reasonably priced and you want to go check out California and see all the really amazing parks, yeah. you're going to pay for it. You got to budget for it. But then again, I think it's really important to to be honest with yourself and say, hey, we could stay at this campground for a month for four hundred dollars, save up enough money, and then go into these places that cost a lot, right? Right, and then also the time of year you're going to travel. Like we're we have a good plan right now. We're being hosted through a couple different spots through Idaho, Montana, um, Wyoming, and South Dakota. So we're going to do that, but unfortunately, we're doing it in the middle of summer when everybody's going to be going through there. Mm. When we're going through the Smoky Mountains and up the uh, the lower East Coast last year, there was nobody in the parks. Mm-hmm. And it was it was inexpensive. So picking the right times to travel to the places you want to see is probably going to hit your pocket yeah. different too. And you're not saving for vacations. Like right. we I mean we don't we don't live on vacation. That's also a, a big misnomer is that you get out on the road and life is just a vacation. There's still plenty of days where we're at a laundromat, where we're going to the grocery store, where you know our kids are bored because we're not doing <laughs> anything. But we're not then saying, oh, hey, we have to save up, you know, $8,000 to go on this vacation. Let's fly to Hawaii or let's go, you know, stay somewhere during our seven days a year that we get where we're actually together and spend a day traveling there, a day traveling back and then try and go do all the things in between. We don't do that part anymore because it's almost like we have these little, you know, mini, mini vacations that are just our life now, but you do it so much less expensively because you don't. You're not paying to get there and you're not maintaining what's essentially two households. If you RV recreationally, you're maintaining your RV and you're maintaining your house. Like we don't have to worry about the trip back home where we're then going to have to go unload everything out of here, clean the house, do all the other stuff, get ready for work, pay insurance on several different vehicles and several different, you know, houses and units and all that. So I think that's a, that's a big thing too. Yeah. And I think too, there's a, and you know, I'm no, psychologists and really understanding the human brain, but it's also when we take off, it's, it's a different experience than a year later. And what it's happening is I think we're getting numb a little to how amazing the life is. And I try to remind people that, 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 that high that you felt when you first went and you're like, wow, we're just, you know, work ends at five and we're two steps from the water or wherever we are. And that just becomes normal and you normalize it. And I think for most, and then if they get back, so for like me, I'm in like kind of a hybrid life. And when I'm back and, you know, on the homestead, I, the itch starts coming in a way that I just wasn't experienced when I was just doing, you know, when I didn't have a homestead and I wasn't stopping. And I noticed that's where I really started, you know, like tuning into 
what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, because it just, things become normal. People go to vacation in Hawaii, but guess what? There are people that live in Hawaii and they're not on vacation. It's crazy. Like they are work. And it's like that kind of mentality. The RVing is the same thing that if you're doing it for a vacation, it can feel that way. If you're doing it for this life, it can feel that way, but it can become normalized. I do agree that people, I had a, an ex boss that I was asking for time off and I was going to, I got really smart where I saved up my days and I was just going to take every Friday off for like the next 12 weeks in a row. And she just wasn't allowing that. And I, she was like, but it's like you're on vacation all the time anyways. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold on (laughs) back up. I'm not on vacation because I have to leave on a Saturday morning, which is the worst day to leave and go to another campground and blah, blah, blah. And you know, it was one of those moments where I was like, man, is that what people really think? Do people really think, I'm on mm-hmm. vacation because my life is what people do for vacation. I and mean, if I live in a cabin, my vacation, if right. I live, you know what I mean? So that was the kind of thing that I've, I've done a lot of like talking to people. Actually, you know, fun story. One of the things I, with a 42 foot fifth wheel and I'd be at these campgrounds and I'd see these people like, you know, like, really, you need that to go camping. And I'm like, I would go out. I don't care what people think, but it was so weird. I go outside. This is all I own. This is it. <laughs> you know, if, <laughs> if, I was, yeah. if I was just a weekend camper, I wouldn't have a 42 foot fifth wheel. You know, yeah. we, we get those comments a lot on social media where people are like, oh, do you really call this camping? And I, you know, sometimes I respond, sometimes I don't. But when I do respond, I say, um, no, this is our home. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually don't call this camping. I actually <laughs> it's where we live. And then they change their tune and they go, oh, right. wait. So you have two kids and a dog and your and your huge husband in there with you all the time. That's actually pretty small. And I'm like, yeah, flip the script there, guys. Yeah, I would say that I maybe as a publisher of both, you know, RV Today and Rootless Living, I shouldn't be saying this, but I've never really considered RVing camping. And that goes before I got an RV. Like I would camp camp, you know, tent, pack it right. in, pack yeah. it out. There might not be a bathroom. Um, I live in something that has a fireplace and a TV that goes up <laughs> and down. So I don't know if I would consider, I get that, you know, people want to do that. When I'm boondocking though, even with all the stuff, then I do start to feel a little bit more like, okay, you know, if I had a tent, I'd be doing a lot of the same things. It just, the bathroom's easier yeah. basically, but it is one of yeah. those arguments that I don't mind having a conversation about because I'm old school. My camping for ever until 2017 was a tent. And that was us too. Yeah. That was us too. So I really know what, the only time I'd been in an RV was when they were like makeup dressing rooms for a TV show. Like that's the yeah. only time I'd been in one. Yeah. Um, so I feel I like camping is when you wake up and the tip of your nose is cold because yeah. you're not in something that has any heat or, or air control. Yeah. And I hate I, the other thing too, I really hate. And I know you, you know, I mean, it's, it's no different than, you know, I've been sober 27 years and when people make, you know, like, you know, Hey, I'm not an alcoholic, I'm camping or whatever it is. Those jokes, the homeless to full-time kind of jokes. Sometimes I'm like, eh, I've been homeless. This ain't it. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, sure. I've been broken out and like sleeping in the car and spending the night at friends' couches. That ain't this life. This life is pretty amazing. And, and one I, of the things, one of the things I've loved about this life is right before we decided to do this, we were on. We lived in a fifteen hundred square foot home, and we were just growing. And I don't know if it was the the norm to have a bigger house, but we were honestly looking. We were on Zillow all the time, like, oh, we need twenty five hundred square feet. We need a three thousand square foot we need home. Three acres. We need five acres, ten acres, right? And now that we've been on the road in a 300 square foot home for the last year and a half, there is no doubt in our minds that we will never probably go above 1500 square foot. Like we want to build our tiny home, but the fact that we could live in this size of a home and, and be happy 
we'll never have a big home. There's no sense in having a big home where you got to heat it all and cool it all. And, right. and you don't sit in the family room or the, the dining room for, except for one weekend yeah. out of you the whole year. You have four crock pots. Yeah. Like. <laughs> don't need any of that. We're happy with what we got now. What's funny is, so James, I was in your boat probably two to three years ago. Like uh, in the sense that before I left, like my goal was 5,000, 8,000 square foot home. Like I really, and my kids were all getting grown and moving out. It was just, it was just a flex, like a thousand percent of flex. Um, I have, you know, last year or 2021, right at the end, we bought 240 acres in Oklahoma. Right. So we've got a big piece of property and you know, you guys are welcome. You guys drive through just through Tulsa. Let me know. Come on by, hang out. Oh my God. I think, I That's think we're going to be through there in the fall. There you go. There you go. Yeah. We're like 40 minutes West of Tulsa and it's a toll road gets there in two seconds anyways. But okay. I will say that. So I was in the same boat. I'm going to build a tiny home. And it's one of those things too, that I'm learning. One is that I actually, I want a tiny home from the standpoint of rooms in the house. But I, as someone that's six foot seven, and I know people hate when I mention how tall I am on this show. Um, I want like a 10 by 10 shower. Like, I don't care if there's stadium seating and people want to watch. I just, I don't like, especially as an RVer now, I want a big shower. I want a big roomy bedroom. Like I don't, the space between the bed and the wall, I want like, you know, like real access. So even though it it might only be a two bedroom house, it might be sub 2000 square feet. I will work on to your point. I will maybe have you know, splits, mini splits. So I don't have to AC the whole house if I just want to keep my room cool. But it's funny how that part has kind of changed in me where I want it to be roomy, but I don't need the rooms that don't make sense. So I don't need it. You want it to be usable. And you are speaking James's love language right now because he's six foot four. Nice. There you are. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, and we have the, the front of our fifth wheel is the sloped roof in our bedroom. So he literally cannot come on my side of the bed. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And and that's one of his two complaints, I think, um, about our fifth wheel are the roof in the bedroom on my side of the bed where he stood up and hit his head, or maybe there's three, the shower and our door. Because our door walking out of the fifth wheel is... What do you think? It's, it's five, ridiculous. Five nine, yeah. five ten? Yeah, I don't understand what these RV people are thinking. Like are just like four foot people coming through the front door. Like every single time I walk through our door, like, and there's been several times where I've said some very choice words because I forgot and I smack my head right on top of that, that door frame. Oh, it makes me so mad. Especially if you're wearing a baseball cap that is kind of like moving. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, People don't understand. Look, I say it all the time. Being six foot seven was amazing for basketball. Outside of basketball, it's absolutely useless. It I, like I would kill to be six two. Like especially now driving around in a skid steer and a mini excavator, those oh, are not. Yeah. yeah, they're not made for someone my size. Yeah. So, um, well, let's jump into work now. First, I know okay. there's people that are listening that are saying, Damien, James has served so long and you haven't said thanks for his service. I say it because I actually really mean it. You know what I mean? I know people do it because it's like one of those things, but I do, man. Like I got in some trouble as a kid. And so, uh, serving was not an option for me. I mean, I could have served time, but I could have served (laughs) in the military. I was with you there. Yeah. Yeah. So I got, that kind of sucked that, um, there were probably as part of me that would have, I could have seen myself doing that. Uh, especially the trouble I was getting to in 18, 19, it would have been a much better route for me than to continue to try to play basketball and, and drinking and doing the things I was doing. So I do, I do honestly, really, truly mean it when I say thank you for your service. And, 
you said something, and I, uh, and I want to ask because I've heard it. I want to make sure you're the one that said it's kind of the you're you're getting a little out of the military fog. And I've heard comparisons to the military fog, the same to the prison fog, in the sense yeah. that you're you're very controlled and very like here's the things you can do. And once you get into that freedom, which is so odd to me that the people that we thank for our freedoms are really in sometimes in lifestyles that they just don't have that freedom that we all get to no. enjoy. Yeah. So I just wanted to see if that's really true from your standpoint, not to say that the military is anything like a prison, but there's some mindsets when you get out of it and the amount of freedom you have, that it's really weird once you're out. No, it, it it's a hundred percent that way. Like I loved the military. I loved being a DOD civilian in the, for the army. I loved wearing the uniform, both active duty I did active duty guard and civilian. I loved wearing it all, but the, the further I got, and especially when we decided to pull the trigger and get and leave that lifestyle, I was in a, I felt like I was in a very toxic atmosphere. And because there's, there's nothing you can do. The chain of command is the chain of command and whatever comes down from whoever's in charge is what you have to do, whether you like it or not. And don't get me wrong. There was a lot of joy. There was a lot of happiness in my career. I felt so good serving. I felt like I was where I was supposed to be. But slowly as I got older and saw more of the restraints that was on me and like there was there was decisions that I wanted to make as as a as a man, as a, as a captain in the military, I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. There, there was things that made sense. And I couldn't do it because somebody else was saying, no, James, you, that is not how I see it going. And there is a fog. There is this bubble that you're in that you just basically have to accept and do the best you can do with what you have. And you're always um, under the umbrella of somebody else's ideas, um, beliefs, and unless you're like a four-star general. And then even then, oh, yeah. you, you, got the, you got the other people running the country that that are telling you what to do. That was a big shift for us too, because there, I mean, I remember the last couple of years before we decided to do this there, it was different when he went to work, there was different management. There were different things going on in the country and it went from him going to work and feeling like he was making a difference going out on the wildland fires. And he was, you know, he was gone for two or three weeks. I was going to work holding everything down with the kids, but I knew that he was out there doing something that he loved, Mm. that he was a good leader. He was, you know, literally saving people's homes and lives. Mm. And I was so proud of him and, and I'm always proud of him, but it went from that feeling to all these other restrictions and rules just being put in place um, that didn't really seem like they even made sense to where it was like, well, if you're going to leave us for minimum 48 hours at a time, you know, up to maybe a month at a time during fire season to just go sit at a fire department where you're not even really allowed to go out and do the, make the difference that you were making. And that's where we kind of had this shift of like, well, then what are you doing? You're just, you're away from us, but you're not even getting to do the stuff that you're meant to do. So why are we still letting this hold us down? Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, that's good insight because I want people to hear it. I have a friend that's been on the podcast and watching a lot of stuff where she's trying to help people where, you know, a lot of two, it's hard to leave for a lot of people. And it you know is. what? It's funny. It, that goes back to prison too. When you become institutionalized, yes. it's really hard to leave. And, you know, and there's, there's options out there. And I really, I do feel like this life, you know, just with the moving and the change of scenery and the new things. And, you know, obviously you're learning new skill sets. It, it falls in line really well. 
It does. It really does. And it opens up your mind. Like I had 18 years with the DOD. Like I only had a, a few years left to where I could retire. And like people, I still get people that are like, I can't believe you did it. When are you coming back? Like you like, don't keep doing what you're doing. And I'm like, you have no idea. Like there's a way. And the only one that's going to ever hold you back is yourself. So we got out here and we, when we decided, you know what, this is the life we want to live. Like I don't ever, ever want to go back to government work. I don't ever want to go back to a job where somebody's telling us what to do, even though if we have to, we'll do it happily. But when you get out here, and you really start thinking for yourself and you start realizing that entrepreneurs out here, you could, I have never done social media as a business. I had no idea what we were doing. And we, like Kestra said, we took our, our career experiences and we're putting that into our business now. And something I never thought eight months ago we would be doing. And here we are, we're being successful and, and it's working. So you might not be doing the same thing. You might get out here or you might be sitting at home thinking, you know what, this is all I know. All I knew was firefighting and construction. All That's all I had ever known with you the military. You can't do those remotely. You can't do those remotely. <laughs> no. I can't be a travel firefighter, but at the same time, I was like, you know, what? I'm not going to let it hold us back. Let's just get out there and see what happens. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, we'll, we'll get plugged back in. And then the more, you get out here and you're not held down by the societal norms. Like you have to do this. Your kids have to go to sports. You have to, you know, do all these things. You start to realize like, wow, life is so simple. It's so easy to just have a great life, but you might end up doing something you had no idea was possible. Yeah. I used to joke that I was like, honey, I could never be a stay at home mom unless you were also a stay at home dad, mm. which no, that's kind of what we yeah, are in yeah. some ways. No, that's and- awesome. And we, I mean, and we remodeled our, our house that we sold, I mean, all kinds of projects. And so I remember telling him one time when we were remodeling our house before we sold it, that I was like, man, what if we could somehow just have a job where somebody paid us to like remodel our house and then we could be together all the time. And now we're literally working with companies that are like, Hey, we want you to do videos of you remodeling your RV together and we're going to send you some of the supplies and we're going to, and I was like, babe, do you remember when I manifested that like eight years ago that we should be stay at home parents and get paid to remodel our house? I mean, it's a different house, house. (laughs) but that's what we're doing. No, that's, that's awesome. I have one last quick uh, question about the military James. So we have space force now. Why do they have camouflage fatigues? I'm not understanding that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because if you think about it, when you're in outer space with nothing else on, you don't want your enemy to see you. I, I guess. But should it be like it should be like stars and meteors though, right? It should be the regular camo. No, I'm just kidding. Well, somebody got paid a lot of money to pick that a up. A lot so. of money to have those. No, yeah, for sure. No, I, I just well, they wanted don't to want make, them to feel left out. Exactly. No, you're, I, I want to make that joke. But what you said to Kestra that I want people to understand is there's a little bit of a joke there. I think a couple asking themselves what could we do that we would really enjoy doing, and you know, is that working from home? Is that one of us staying home? whatever that is, it's actually a really important conversation to have because it, it'll mind blow. I think sometimes it's just not a conversation we have as an adult, really. Like, you know, what would our perfect life look like if we could, if money wasn't an object and we could support ourselves, what would that look like? I think it's a really important conversation to have because I think you will find those things where you're like, oh, this, this actually is something we can do. And then down the road, if you do find it, then you know, amazing. So let's get into the, the, it sounds like the accidental kind of work. I mean, there are people that do, Hey, you know what? We see this trend. Let's grab an RV and then let's hit the road with a camera. 
Um, how did this work out for you guys? Like explain what's going on, what you guys are doing, what your brand's about, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we, you know, we started out, obviously we were documenting things because we were like, this is the adventure of our lives. We want to have this so that we can remember every moment of it. Um, and so we were, you know, taking videos, putting, putting things up for mostly our family and our friends to be able to see. And then after, you know, we talked to some other families that were like, Hey, we do this. And some of them, you know, were people that we were like, yeah, we followed you. We, it's really cool. You do this. And then we realized like, well, they're just regular people. I mean, you know, like when you meet anybody, you meet a celebrity and you're like, oh, they poop too. Like (laughs) everybody's just a person. And we, I think the biggest step is kind of getting over yourself, like realizing that, you know, if I'm going to put stuff out there, I need to be myself and people are going to like me and people are also going to not like me. And that for me as a, as a people pleaser has been a really huge growth experience and also really difficult to accept sometimes. Um, but that the people who are interested in what you're doing and why you're doing it and who you are, those are the ones that are going to benefit from it. And also realizing that you don't have to be an expert. Like we're not experts in, I mean, James may be an expert in some of his, you know, fire service stuff, but we're not experts in anything we put out there. We, our goal is just that we want to help people who are thinking about doing what we're doing or who are doing what we're doing to maybe not have some of the stumbling blocks that we've had, because that's what we relied on when we first hit the road. You know, we watched all the YouTube videos. We followed, you know, the RV accounts and some of those people are still on the road. Some aren't, but they were open enough to share their experiences, their mistakes, their wins, their, you know, silliness so that we could be like, oh, that's what you do when you get a clog in your RV toilet. Instead of people acting like it's a picture perfect life out here, you know, showing the real life stuff. And then once we started looking around and realizing like, oh, hey, we could actually make a living off of this. And we looked around and we're like, well, here's some some products that we already use. Maybe maybe these companies need us to to help them to promote their product or, you know, and we looked at only only companies that we liked and stuff that we actually use, because that has always been really important for us is that we need to make money to stay on the road, but we're not out here to make a quick dollar. We're out here to work with brands and companies that actually care about their customers because we care about the people who follow us. I mean, I don't even know how much time I spend that nobody sees where I'm DMing people back and forth, trying to help them diagnose problems. And I'll be yelling at James like, Hey honey, what's that thing you did to the, you know, whatever, when it, when it wouldn't work. And he's like, what are you doing? Is it broken? I was like, no, but somebody has one that's broken and we got to help them out. (laughs) So, I mean, that's kind of like what, what we do. So we, we capture moments and I'm sure there have been times where James is actively fixing something and I'm videoing it and he really needs me to hand him that wrench. And you don't. <laughs> I also when we first started and we said, "Hey, we're going to make this a business." We did everything she just said about like the companies we're going to reach out to that we want to ask them if we could be influencers for them because when we first started, we had no idea what we were doing. We were posting pictures and stuff of stuff we had already bought and then eventually these companies start, "Hey, do you guys want to do some paid content?" And we're like, "Uh, yeah, that's what we're all about." And so it slowly started to build. Well, then because of our strategy that we picked between each other working really hard for a solid six months um we started reaching out to a couple bigger companies but then we made it a point that said hey the companies that we do want to work for i want to know their product so we work for some really good companies now and 
it's not just that we're putting out content that shows their products. We, we do more, like Kester said, DMS on the background. That's not in any contract mm. that is explaining the, the parts and in, in the products, yeah, the safety, but we want to the... know them. So like we, we feel really, really honored to know that like when somebody comes to our account, they're going to find probably 10 companies that we really dive into that we really care about that are American made companies that you know, they have good customer service, they got great customer service, because if they don't, and we have an issue, then we don't stay with that company. And if people DM us, we're not going to blast them all over our social media pages now. But if somebody calls and asks us something like, Hey, I really need to know about this product or like our internet or our, our hits that we're towing with BMW, we know the product. And so now our focus is on really building those relationships up with some long-term relationships. And I feel like a lot of times when we're talking to these people, we're more like employees, even though it's all contract work. Uh, I feel like we're employees because we really care about pushing out the products. You see a lot of people. And when we first started, we were happy to just get product for content, right? right? And, and put stuff out there because we were trying to build our name. Well, now that we kind of have, I were like middle of the road, I think between Facebook and yeah. uh, Instagram, we're like 50,000 followers, somewhere right in there. So we're like middle of the road. You know, there's people out here that got hundred thousand, 200,000, but the content we put out, we pride ourselves so much on making sure that people understand and know about the product that separates us. So yeah. I think we're building our brand now, our platform off of being an, being an RV family that shows our tips, our adventures, our mistakes, and the products that we use full heartedly. Yeah. And we, and we don't just take stuff that we can't use. Like there have been times where it's like, Oh, that's a really valuable thing that somebody's offering us, but we're like, but we're not going to use it. We don't, we don't need it or it doesn't fit on our setup or, you know, we, we get lots of requests about, you know, these little companies that are like, Oh, can we send you jewelry? And I'm like, what in the world makes these companies think that anybody who follows us would want a bunch of jewelry? (laughs) No, I mean, so I, I'm going to do something here that's a little different and I, and you might feel attacked in the beginning, but then yeah. wait till I'm done. Cause you know, you know, I got okay. love for you guys. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not a boomer. I'm a Gen Xer, but I've got some boomer tendencies. And ones I talk about all the time is the magazine. There's a lot of magazines out there that are just like PDFs that they email people. I don't consider that a magazine. Right. Like I think what we do where it's print, it's got a digital app, it's available in stores. There's an actual staff. Like it's, it's a magazine. And now I will say right. the term entrepreneur, I'd, have always owned my own jobs. I've never really felt like an entrepreneur. The first time that I really felt it is the magazine's getting to a place that if I wanted to sell it, I could and I could walk away. So with friends and family, I'm always like, be careful towing the line between an Elon Musk, who's an entrepreneur, and a photographer that owns his own job that probably couldn't sell the business because he is the business, right? So there's that concept that when I'm talking to content creators, I'm always like, let me bring you back just a little because... I don't know what the end game is for a lot of people. When I've had conversations like with Mark with Keep Your Daydream, I'm like, what's the end game? You can't make videos until you're 80. Like, mm-hmm. what's the end game? And so he will talk about like, well, we're going to move into these things that we can step away and they're still making. I'm like, yes, okay, great. So you're using it as a way to get to more of an entrepreneurial stuff. Right. The other thing too that, I mean, and this is actually kind of newsjacking and fresh, and I don't want to get into the actual company name, but you guys are probably know what I'm talking about. There's an internet company that there's some, They've, they've hired a lot of people to promote it and talk about it, and people tested it and it worked great, and now there's some issue. 
And yeah, a lot of these guy. content creators are apologizing. And I'm the guy saying, why are you apologizing? Because yeah, honestly, your fault. if I advertise them in my magazine, I don't have to vet advertisers the way content creators from, and even though I consider myself a content creator, right. I'm just creating content. I don't have to vet the way you guys have to vet. And I don't think you should have to vet the way you're vetting. To be honest, I think it's something that's really bad in the content creator space or the you know creator economy space is if someone sends you something and you test it and you like it and they'll pay you and you do a video about it and a year later, two months later, whatever it is, and something bad happens, you know, maybe you were promoting Subway and all of a sudden there's spokespersons, a, you know, a child yeah. pornography guy it has nothing to do with you. Like you had, like, I don't even understand the, you can make a video saying, Hey guys, just want to let you know, uh, we're not using this service anymore. Um, it's just not exactly what it was right. in the beginning. We just wanted to give you yeah. guys a little update. You know, it worked great for us. doesn't work now. Bum up. But the amount of like, just where I see content creators are moving more to this, like, we've got to know everything about this company. It's impossible. Like I honestly, if my pod, if I become some douchebag two years from now, don't apologize for coming on the show. You know what I mean? You did not <laughs> know won't. that. Right. Don't. And like, don't make a video about it. Like we just want to distance ourselves from Damien. We can't believe that, you know, that he took those photos with that llama. I yeah, like, and like a Ford. yeah, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, I, I don't like this part of the space. So I agree with and to an extent. I agree with the jewelry. I and mean, if part of your brand was you wore jewelry, I could get it. But when someone's sending you a, a product that maybe you wouldn't use, um, like if someone sent me that made traveling with kids a lot easier, I would talk about it. I just don't travel with kids. So sure, people right. would know that. They'd understand it. If you want to send me razors, I'm not shaving my beard. Maybe I do a video about my back. Maybe. I don't think anybody wants to watch that. But I might still work a deal. And I wish this space was changing a little. And I always talk about it. I wish the ads that are like, especially YouTube content creators, I wish the ad was a commercial it wasn't them because then they look like spokespersons yeah, for the brand. Yeah. And that's something we need to change. So that was just kind of my, like one, like let's, you know, keep us in the right space. And two, I, right. I want to encourage you guys that I, I believe you, that you want to push products that make sense and work. Nobody's going to doubt that with you guys. But if you don't vet them all the way to the point of, you know, who the founder's wife is and what she believes in politically, what who knows, you know, right. then it's not your fault. Like you shouldn't yeah. even be apologizing. And I've been talking to people and I'm, about that. I'm glad you brought that up too, because I think that there's a couple things that we have talked about as well. And some of it is from, you know, the, the content creation side. And I think that some people are really irritated with social media and like the paid partnership labels. Mm. I actually like those because it's then very clear right. to our audience that we are being paid. Um, we're not going to lie still. We're going to tell you the best to the best of our knowledge, what we know about these products. We are going to try them first. That's always in our contract that we say, Hey, if we don't like it or we doesn't work right for us, we're going to come back to you, the company, see if you can fix it. And if you can't, then we're not going to promote it because right. you know, it doesn't make sense if it's a, a garbage product. But on the other side of it, we also have been having to be really, really clear with some of the, the brands that we work with that we are not your salespeople. Right. The reason that your marketing department is the ones who are reaching out to us is because we are 
marketing your product. That's advertising. And so when when the brands try and offer, you know, just all of these affiliate programs, there's a place for those. And that's great. And a lot of people, you know, have really good success. And, and we're a part of some affiliate programs, too. But if my income is tied to your product sales and I'm not an employee, then that's not a good business model for me. Because what my job is, is to br- provide you a product, which is the content and exposure, the same as someone would do with your magazine, right? right? They put an ad in your magazine and what you can guarantee to them is we will run your ad in our magazine and we are in the, you know, we're hitting the target audience that you want to hit. Right. And that's all that we can do as, you know, for ourselves as our business is we're like, hey, our, our your assumption, our assumption is that if someone subscribes to your magazine, they have some sort of interest in RVing or in being off grid or camping. We have the same assumption that if someone subscribes to our channel that because they're interested in RVing or maybe they really like guys that are six, four and have big American flag tattoos on their back. You know? right, but, right. So, um, and, and that's what we offer is that we will promote your product to our audience as an advertising service. And so when it, when it gets down to it and brands start getting in that little nitty gritty of like, well, how can we link our sales to that? And like, well, our products, your product sales aren't our responsibility. Our responsibility is to put your product in front of people. And then if your business does a good enough job, then that is when that product will have sales because if your customer service is terrible or your website's terrible, people aren't going to order no matter how much we say about your product. Yeah. I think, I mean, you're bringing up some really good points too, because what, where I'm a little different is I don't control the narrative at all on the ads. Like they send me an ad and I put it, I will push back with them. Hey, stop putting a QR code. People aren't buying print so they can pull out their phone and they're definitely not using a QR code on their digital. They're reading it with the device they could scan it with. Are they supposed to go in a bathroom and try to use a mirror and figure out a way how to use the camera? yeah. Yeah. So we deal with that. But what I don't like in the content creator space is how marketers are trying to you know, control the narrative and they don't truly understand that person's audience. And it's like no, true. the content creator understands their audience. If they're going to push the product and whether it's a, a, a 10 second soundbite or a two minute soundbite, like I've been learning woodworking. I've never done any kind of woodworking, but with the amount of, you know, projects I want to do on the property, the shop I'm building, I thought, you know, I could probably save myself a lot of money if I just learned how to make basic cabinets. I've been watching a lot of woodworking YouTube and the way that they bring products into just what they're doing. So they're, you know, they're making this cabinet and they'll bring in this special saw and they'll yeah. show the saw and they'll be like, hey, if you want more information about the saw, it's linked below. I'm like, wow, yeah. I wish I wish more RVers could do that where there isn't like this demand to like, you know, you, Hey, well, you know, today we're, today's sponsor is going to be, yes. you know, yes. and you have to do the 60 and we've second had a few of those and it's so clunky and people don't like it and it, it's not natural and it's not, it doesn't get the, the traction that when, when we have a brand and they're like, Hey, we're reaching out to you because you fit our, you know, the audience that you have fits who we want to market to and people like you. Mm-hmm. We're like, if you can please just let us, just let us do our job. Let us be silly and goofy. Or if we're doing a video where it's something serious and we're talking about safety, we'll take it seriously. But if it's some product where it's, you have to hold it up and you have to have the logo facing this direction and you have to use right. these brands. I mean, I get it. It's their money. They're the client. They're paying you. But I can almost always guarantee that those pieces of advertising will not do as well because people don't like to be sold to in that way. Yeah. Cause like, uh, uh, like just in a creative standpoint, if I owned a fire extinguisher company for RVs, 
I would reach out to James. I think there's like a cool, like with his old training and my ad would be James. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to get to a campground where there's a bunch of people that you can talk to and get to know. And I need you to put out their campfires. And like, we're, like they're sitting around doing hot dogs and you just walk up, spray it out. You know, I'm because imagining that. I'm imagining a Jim Carrey character. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just like, and the, but With the commercial fire, is, fire, the commercial is more, fire. yeah, the commercial is more Kester telling James, no, James, that's not what that's for. They can have those fires. It's for, and, and I guarantee you that if you pitch that back, even though we're laughing and we're enjoying it and it's funny and it lines into James and all that kind of stuff, there would be pushback. No, no, no. What we really want is we want to show people where it ends yeah. up. And, and it's like, that's not what people want. That's not. And so, I mean, I, I encourage you guys to definitely push back on that stuff because yeah. I think, you know, your brand, you know, your audience, right. they yeah. don't, you know, James actually did put out a fire at a, on a guy's camper in New Hampshire. Nice. <laughs> we were, we were over at this little, little, the lake in the campground and, I saw this flame and we were like, what? And then we heard this lady yell who she just was walking around and this guy was hooking up his trailer and his headlight of his truck caught on fire and he didn't see it because it was dark. Another reason not to set up in the dark. And our son ran over to our trailer, grabs a bucket of water. James grabbed the guy's fire extinguisher and our James and our nine-year-old put out this guy's electrical fire that was burning up his truck. Wow. So, hey, look, folks, if you know someone that owns a fire extinguisher company, Let's reach out yeah, to James. I mean, he's got he's got content. Got It'll be covered. fun. Just don't tell him what to do or whose fires to put out. I think that'll be fun. Um, no, it sounds like you guys are on it. I mean, I, I think there is a lot of, you know, just bad stuff in this space. But that's the same thing, like I said, in magazines. It's the same in content yeah. creators. It's all of that. And I think the more that the consumer starts to understand that the ads are important. The partnerships are important. People can mm -hmm. make this content for free and, and stop acting like it's such a bad thing. Like that's the thing where I'm just like, let people just slightly introduce it every time. Cause even like um, we had someone that like at the beginning of every video, he talked about a product really quickly. I like watching this one sports guy and he just has the logo coming across the screen and he does a little like two second pitch I love that because it doesn't take away from the content. I know this guy is still making money. Whether I want to click on that or not, I know about it now. It's branded to me. I definitely don't need to see HelloFresh ads anymore. I know about HelloFresh. <laughs> Everyone does. Oh, my goodness. Right? You know what I mean? Like, So there's that oversaturation, too, of stuff where it's like if anybody doesn't know about HelloFresh, they're not watching YouTube. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> You have to. So uh, I, I think that was just my only thing because I kept hearing, and I wanted to make sure you guys understand, and I want it to change. The two things I want to change is – where personal brands aren't personally liable for the brands they're talking about and that people that are viewing understand you're, you're watching this content for free because these people are trying to make a living and most people won't push a product that is bad. They just won't. Yeah. But if it does end up being bad or there's a better product or some to that effect, then that's fine. That's life. There's, you know, that's competition. That's, right. that's capitalism. So absolutely, totally. and make RV doors taller. That's the other thing we got to change. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, and just you know, the showers. Like I, everyone's talking about these slide outs. I want a slide up shower. Let's go. Like, why can't it pop up? You know, why can't I get an extra two foot in my shower? I get it. That's only, right. It's only for the two percent of the world, but why not? It, uh, I matter. <laughs> Um, we make a difference, though. Yeah. All guys matter. All guys matter. We do. Outside of basketball. Like, I get it. I'm not playing anymore, but it's still important. Um, hmm. All right. So I think we beat up work pretty good. I, I would like to talk about, you know, just really quick, internet 
Uh, are you guys one service, two services, three services? How are you guys been rolling with internet? How's that been for you? Um, so we are one service. We do have hotspots on our phones. Mm-hmm. We haven't used in a long time. Um, when we started out, we didn't have anything. We just had our, our cell phones and that worked and except when it didn't work, mm-hmm. which was pretty frequently. Um, then we did the, the T-Mobile um, home internet, home internet. And same thing with that. It was like, it worked great when it worked, but then when it didn't, it didn't. And I also didn't like that. It felt shady to get the T-Mobile home internet mm. because you had to be in a service area and you had to fill this thing out. And then, and I don't like any of that. I don't like feeling like stuff's not legit. So, um, now we actually, we, we work with OTR mobile and we use their mobile device um, and it's a cell-based service. And so they have three different carriers that they contract with. And um, we looked at going the Starlink route, mm-hmm. but it's very expensive. Right. Um, you know, the equipment and the monthly fees, we've heard really good things about it for 90% of the time, but then there's that other 10% of the time where it does not work at all because you can't find, you know, the big dipper in the North sky and whatever else you need to be able to, to have access to. So, um, so we, we do OTR mobile and overall, I mean, there are places where if there is zero cell service, you won't have a connection, right. but um, it's pretty good being able to switch between the different providers and, and get the service that we need. And, you know, like with that, like it, it has like an optimize button. So basically when we're traveling through the States, you hit optimize and it'll link up to whatever the best internet option is. And like she said, there's been a couple of places where there's just no cell tower. So there is no connection, but because we decided to make this a business and social media is so important in doing podcasts and, and phone interviews and zoom meetings, we had to have internet. So as of right now, OTR mobile has been honestly the best thing that we've got going besides going to like a satellite internet mm. and the price too. And for the price, it's a no contract deal so far. Unlike the other, um, company out there that not to be mentioned that's going through whatever they're going through right now we we love these guys and we have a pretty we've had eight months and there's been like two or three places where it just it wasn't good and then we get right back on the road it's really good but we were in a nature preserve (laughs) and we do have a a fairly decent discount on our on our link page if anybody's curious (laughs) yeah for sure we'll definitely drop those links in and remember you guys but if something happens to this internet company a year from now it's not their fault um that's that's right. It's, yeah, it's on us. Right? We gave you good internet for a little while, right? But I'm hoping they're 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 actually kind of booming pretty good, and they're and they're making bigger contracts with bigger companies, and they're expanding their products. So it's it's looking good. I'm hoping yeah. so because yeah, yeah. that's what we use. And if not, we'll change it and we'll go somewhere else. But as of right now, yeah, OTR has been, been great. great. That's awesome. All right. So when you guys aren't working, when you're not traveling, uh, what do you guys like to do for fun? What's your kind of explore, get out and do stuff? And are you guys? We like doing to be that? on podcasts. Yeah. We just <laughs> we are big into the outdoors. We and like I've always grown up West Coast and the high Sierra Nevada mountains and doing like lakes and, and hiking, hiking. Hunting, fishing, yeah, kayaking. And, but I think on this road, like this this route we've picked swimming has become like one of our favorite things being in the the springs and swimming with manatees and in florida to we were at a place in this really small town in new mexico that had like an 80 foot blue hole we we jumped off the cliffs and it's just swimming is is really big to us hitting all the national parks is is on our bucket list We're, we're knocking them out there's 63 of them and i think we're at 22 right now and so that's always been fun, but I think where we really 
like team up as a family and really enjoy is being outside. Like, I mean, swimming with manatees, that's I, number one, right? Yep, mm-hmm. Swimming with manatees. And then just be, you know, where our, some of our favorite hikes are is, is Utah. And I can't mm-hmm. wait to get back to Utah. The Smoky mountains was amazing. It was beautiful, but there's something about the being in Moab. I'm not sure if you've been there, if yes, any sir. other listeners have been there, but if you haven't that, and I'm not talking about like arches was pretty, but there is some local spots, minutes, from uh from arches moab, yeah moab minutes you that, feel like you're in a diorama do not know about like it, it feels unreal and yeah and so i think getting out there because it makes you feel so small it makes you feel like okay you know what there's there's so much bigger things out there and being against those rocks and being in those small canyons with flowing rivers that you could jump into that are ice cold like that's drinking water out of fresh springs yeah <laughs> that's been fun but we're big that's what that's our happy place being outside being in the nature where our, our internet doesn't work or our, we just leave our phones. We put our phones on airplane mode when we go on these hikes use them for pictures. and use them for pictures because obviously we create content. Right. And, but at the same time, like we do, we, at nighttime, we put our phones on airplane mode and when we're out hiking the trails, we're on airplane mode. That's all. I, you know, one thing you said, James, that I'm, I preach a lot too. So I love when people say the same thing is, you know, we get into these really high traffic areas and someone put a fence around it and said, okay, you know, there's an admission or a pass to come in here. But literally on the other side of the highway is the same thing. Oh my it's not like, yeah. it's not like God said, Hey, I'm going to create these really amazing wonders and we're going to put fences and people struggle. The other thing too, is the amount of a hike. I think of a hike can range between a mile and 10 miles, go yeah. at least three miles because 80% of the people drop off. That's exactly true, man. I can't tell you how many times we've been on trails across the country where we get to a point and people are like, oh, we didn't make it to the end. I'm like, we we feel like we're just getting started. But then all of a sudden people start dropping off and you become one with nature. Like you're out there, nobody's around, you hear the trees, you hear the water, you hear the birds, and it's a different connection. Have you guys ever been to uh, Lone Rock in Lake Powell? No, we're, oh. we're on our way. Okay, so yeah, Page, <laughs> so Arizona, where Horseshoe Bend is and all that. So there's two things I like to point out about it. One was when, okay. I, when I met one of the rangers, he said that him and his wife would go to Sunset at Horseshoe Bend, and there might be another couple there. Now there's three, 400 people because of social media yeah. and everybody wants to fall. I mean, literally twin right. twins are falling off this cliff to get like cool TikToks. Yes. Like it's so sad. And But it was so eye-opening. I was like, wait, 15 years ago? Like nobody came nobody to take these photos. So if you ever do go to Lone Rock, which I recommend, it's dry camping. People will call it boondocking, but it's fourteen bucks a night, and you know no hookups. Okay. But yeah. dump station when you leave, perfect. But you will now that I'm going to expose it to you, it'll drive you nuts. Watch the amount of people that drive up, might not get out of their car, take uh, a picture of Lone Rock, and then get back on the road. Yeah. And it's like, stop for a minute, get out, sit in the sand, go down to the lake. I mean, I think there's a lake now. I think it's come back. And like, just enjoy the, even if it's an hour, like just enjoy it for an hour rather than this, I got to get it for the gram. Yeah, you know, we... That's like when we were in Texas, we, we boondocked, which same thing. Well, it was seven bucks a night, I think. Um, but out on Padre Island national seashore outside of Corpus Christi and we boondocked out there for two weeks and there was no cell service. We had to drive an hour to be able to use our phones, but we woke up every morning to like sunrise over the ocean. Our kids were swimming. Apparently there was also an invasion of Portuguese man of war. We got lucky. We didn't get stung, (laughs) but it was, but we were, I mean, off grid, just out there 
really living life. And I think that was one of the first moments or time periods we had where we really, especially for James, were able to like unplug and reset because that was December, the year that we left and we had left in September. So it was a few months in and that felt like a, like a checkpoint of like, okay, we just, we just leveled up or down. I don't know what it would be. (laughs) You know, I think what people don't realize is, and it's so cliche to say that, you know, you got one life to live. We all got our own hourglass and we don't know when our ticket's going to be punched. And if you could get out, whether it's your weekend warrior camping or you can actually experience some full-time travel like what we're doing, actually soaking in. We do it all the time. We'll be on a trail and we'll grab hands and we'll say, okay, everybody close your eyes mm. and just listen. Just mm. listen. Now our son does it. Now our son will does. stop us. He'll stop us and we'll be like, okay, everybody grab hands. And then we, we do like these breathing techniques where you just take like five deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth, close your eyes and just listen. And then we open our eyes and you just look, nobody says anything. And it's almost like you're trying to create this core picture that you won't forget, even though you more likely will, but you're in the moment and you're really living life. Yeah. I can't even imagine how, or think how many times when we're laying in bed at night and we'll, one of us will turn to the other and be like, babe, we're doing it. We're, we're living in a dang camper trailer. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah. we're just so stoked because you were saying it does get, it does become normal. I mean, that's what happens to people. You get used to things very quickly, no matter what the thing is. And so we try to remind ourselves all the time, like, honey, we're doing this. Yep. What's, what's the alternative? If we weren't doing this, I'd be at work right now. You'd be at work right now. Kids would be in school right now. Like this, we're living our dream right now. Yep. I, I have a thing where um, there's moments where I'll stop and I'll say out loud to whoever's around me, I can't believe this is my life. Yeah. I really have that. And it's funny how they, you know, whether they've heard me say it a bunch, they start saying it now. We'll be in these situations where we're just sitting, floating in the, you know, I love creek sitting where I'll just put a chair in a creek and just sit in it. Oh yeah. Just listen. And I'm like, I can't believe this is my life. Like I don't have to go on a, on a zoom call right now. Like, and I think those moments are really important. So I definitely encourage it. Well, I, you know, I just looked at the clock. This is a long episode. I only usually do about an hour, folks. I appreciate you guys hanging out and listening to us. I want people to be able to connect with you and obviously DM the, like, just like, how do I fix my unclocked toilet all day long? Like, that's, no, no. Ask us all the poop questions. Yeah, there you go. How can people find you? And folks, remember, I'm going to list all this in the show notes. You don't have to try to write it down right now. And and we'll be promoting our socials and you can just really quick link through too. But uh, where can people find you and um, go? Yeah, so everything is Balmus Bronikies. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, and we have boundlessbronikies.com. So So that's boundless, and last name is Bronikies, B-R-O-N-N-E-K-E-S, Bronikies. Awesome. And like I said, folks, it's written down right there in the show notes. Go in, click it, visit them. Tell them you saw them on the podcast. Tell them what you think. Ask James about the Space Force camo. I think those are always really great questions. (laughs) um, I just want to thank you guys for taking time, coming on the show, sharing your story. I think I always say this, you know, and maybe it's only one person, but that's all that matters. You're definitely going to inspire someone that has the same situation as you guys, the same kind of work schedule, kids, all that kind of stuff and just really did things to improve their life. And that's really all this show is about, is helping people see someone they can relate to and think they can do it too and get out there and make some great changes in their life. That's amazing. Thank you, Damien. It's been fun. Another great episode. A big thank you to James and Kestra for coming on the show. You can connect with them by clicking the links in the show notes. And listen, folks, 
as this podcast really is ad-free, the only thing I talk about is subscribing to the magazine, which you can in digital for $10 a year or receive it in print. And you also get a free digital that you can give to someone if you want for $30 a year. Just head over to rootlessliving.com. Grab your subscription today. It's a big help in growing the magazine. And you know what's a big help in growing the podcast? Sharing it with your family and friends. It doesn't cost you a dime. Just go ahead, click the share button, copy, link it, tell someone, let them know if they're thinking about making a change in their lifestyle, getting a little bit more unstuck, this is a great podcast to listen to. Until the next episode, stay rootless.